0: The Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler,
1: here with my co-host Ben Baton. You caught me mid-Celsius at a, at 10 21 p.m. trying to make sure I stay awake for our recording ben, of this episode.
0: Ben was, ben was like, uh, you know, I just called him and I hit record. He didn't even know this was happening. You know this, did you know this is a podcast? You thought, you thought we were I was just
1: calling a we talk. Just, yeah, I thought talk. we were just all talking doing album
0: work. Bit. No, we're uh, we're talking <laughs> commander masters as the masters of modern podcast uh you know matt you know often people are like hey i thought you were a modern podcast modern is the name but fun fact masters is also the name and so a master set has been released our namesake awesome. uh, this was commander focus there's a lot of controversy around this set we'll get into a little bit but, but more more importantly there's a bunch of new cards from the commander decks that are alongside it there's a bunch of reprints that are very exciting and the uh, as of the recording, the last of the four decks were previewed, and um, we're we're very excited.
1: Would you say that, uh, in your opinion, this is the highest profile master set you can remember? Yes, uh, I think so. Too.
0: Okay, so so I think Modern Master's one and two, I think are higher profile. I think this is third place after those first two. Those first two are so iconic in what they did, and the fact that they were like attached to the two largest Grand Prix of all time. The fact that you know modern um, modern masters 1 was did, like was the first of these to ever exist modern masters 2 was the follow up to that uh and was is the largest i believe the largest grand prix of all time is modern masters 2 uh i do think make them bigger than this one uh but a- other than those two i think this is a bigger deal than eternal masters which would be maybe my third place cuz that was the first like Sidestep. I think it's bigger than Ultimate Masters, which is the last master set, which is the the precursor to the three hundred dollar draft booster box. It's the first one to kind of be that in the master line, and I definitely More think this is bigger than step. either of the double master sets.
1: Yeah, I think the reason I think that this is the biggest one was two reasons. I agree with you that the first two modern master sets. I was thinking about it when I asked you the question, and and I I think your answer is kind of correct. Those first two modern master sets at the time, they were huge, massive. Um, This one is so big because it feels expensive and heavy with cash in terms of what's in the set and the perceived value combined with the fact now that the commander decks have become such like a big piece of Magic's new set releases, like they're such a huge deal. The four commander decks, I feel like on some level are actually more high profile than what else is in the set. Like there are some very good reprints. We're going to get into it when we talk about the set, like just some of our favorites, but the commander decks are astonishingly powerful. Like the Eldrazi one in particular, I think we'll talk about as a as a highlight cuz there are some there are a few cards in the Eldrazi deck that are just like off the charts, but each one of the commander decks has a few really good cards that are just like these are enormously powerful. I'm sure this is going to be a hard to get card. I'm sure people are going to want this card. And that's something that I don't think that those first sets had because they were pure reprints. So I think the history you're talking about is really significant, and I would argue that there was more controversy surrounding the set to the point that like some people are just like almost boycotting it. Right. Like, like there are some pretty negative opinions out there about it because of the price. But I feel like this is the most significant master set ever because of the fact that undeniably the conversation over this week was like, these cards are nuts. These cards are nuts. I want to own these crazy cards, (laughs) right? Like, we should buy collector boosters because you get all these insane versions of all these insane cards like modern masters one doesn't have portrait foil versions of ulamog and like well
0: but but, but i guess two things like the first commander or sorry the first modern masters like had a, a serious depth of power level reprints now a lot of those over time, have been outclassed, right? I mean, the joke is that Tarmogoyf now is a 20, you know, is is significantly less played in modern, uh, and therefore its value is less than than what it was when it was like, you know, a multi you know, a controversial first pick in the top yeah, right. of the the second the second Grand Prix finals. Because that's true now. That wasn't true at the time. Like, like one of the things that like they talked about is that Commander Masters, or sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess that up a lot on this episode. Modern Masters 1 was, uh, like, was because because it's something that happens a lot when Wizards Prince sets, right? They come out with a set and it's like, this is the first time we've ever done it. So every good idea we have is in it because we don't know if there's going to be a sequel. This is the idea. Conspiracy 1 was a similar right. example of this. So then the follow-up set, they're like, oh wait, this was a good idea. We have to, if we're going to do like six more of these, we have to spread out the next six to make sure we like have enough good ideas to keep this going and so conspiracy one like packed filled with every good draft matters idea they could come up with conspiracy two oh we used all of our good ideas in the last one not all of them but like okay let's spin off that did we have enough depth is there that much depth to draft matters and i think they could do a better i can i would be very excited for a like commander legends conspiracy set where they take like the multiplayer format of it and and involve it. i think that would be very cool or like commanders that are draft masters um, but I think that when it comes to um, modern Masters one, that was kind of that right. They're like, oh, this is the first master set. We're gonna print every iconic modern card, every iconic like all of the commander cards within the period of time that we're reprinting that like desperately have needed a reprint in a long time and every pack is foil. so you're gonna have like not to mention the uncommons, like a foil uncommon. Uh, Aether Vial is a thing that you just open in this set, and 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 you're gonna have to choose between that and a pet, right? Like that's, and then later ones are like, oh, you know, a lot of the really valuable reprints are at Mythic in Modern uh, Horizons or Modern Masters too, um, and that was one of the reasons that they stopped making Master Set, right? They like got through a bunch of them, and they're like, wait, there's kind of diminishing returns. Eventually, they got to Iconic Masters, which was like kind of the last of that era, and then Ultimate Masters came out. And they were like you know what we're we're done making master sets this is going to be the last one originally this was going to be graveyard masters but because this is going to be the last one let's just go full bar you know we'll 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 raise the retail so we can put every cool card that we think deserves to be in the set into the set uh and make it the most exciting and most powerful set we can and that was massively successful they then followed with some horizon sets that they threw in and, and those type of concept sets but then double masters was like okay Take the grave, take the Ultimate Masters model, and let's continue it. We're just like, how much, how cool and powerful cards can we put in this that people are going to be really excited about for? So every pack you open, you're excited about. It. If you open a box, you're gonna be excited on the whole by the holistic experience of opening that box, though it might cost more to, to do it. And uh, I think Commander Masters is following that same model with the added spin of Booster fun era, right? Like this is this is the second one to ever come out, the second master set ever in the booster fun era. And that adds so many extra layers of cool treatments and cool foiling processes and and cool throwback cards, and, and which I do think does add a lot of excitement.
1: So I have a, a few things to say about that and definitely uh, many, many thoughts on the whole history of the master's format, but a quick shout out. Um, obviously we uh, have been around doing this show for 10 years years, which is insane to say. So a big thank you to the is patrons who have Netflix? performed the show for <laughs> years. Uh, a big pinkies up to the nobles of House Modern. Thank you guys so much for being with us here. It's awesome. To any of the folks that have worked with us over the years to make this show happen, we thank you guys so much. And then finally, Alex and I are both a part of the Magic Ambassador program. And we got to you know receive the product uh, pretty recently, but a little bit early. So we were able to open the packs and kind of understand the set and see it. And we have a lot of fun thoughts about it. Uh, you mentioned all the cool foilings and all the cool versions of the cards, and I definitely I kind of want to gush about some of that because I definitely feel like I am pretty hyped. I have like all my cool stuff on the left over here I haven't put away yet, and I have like all of the commons in the box on the right. And I kind of just think it's all awesome. I haven't even really decided like what to do with it because I like the cards in the set so much so um those are my quick shout outs any shout outs from you alex before i get into my
0: thoughts yep big big shout out obviously the master the ambassador program um i actually haven't opened any of the pack i opened some collector booth the collector boosters we got and then i opened the commander decks and that's been the thing i've like spent this last week like every single day every single one was previewed on each single day and like nail biting every single time Mm -hmm. wanting to talk about it of course they saved the eldrazi one which i think is the best one for last Uh, which is the one I wanted to talk about the most. And then today I've had a headache all day. So this is the first time i felt good enough to talk about anything about magic. And we're doing it on this episode. So uh, super hyped. And yeah, thank you, Wizards. Uh, We're super excited to be a part of the Ambassador program and just keep talking about cool magic stuff.
1: I got home, if you follow me on social, you guys saw this, Um, I, I came back from Atlanta where I was doing, uh, one of the trade shows for the toy company that we do together. Um, and my flights were very heavily delayed and I had played a show. Some of you guys know, I play music at the hard rock cafe while I was there, which was really fun the night before. So I was kind of, it was kind of a long night and and I was very tired and my flight was delayed by like six or almost seven hours. So I landed at midnight at LAX on Saturday. I got home. It was 1am. I was like delirious walking to my front step. And my box of my Commander Master stuff was waiting for me. And I like looked at it and I was like, oh, is that what that is? And I like opened it and I was like, there's so much stuff here. And I'm so tired. <laughs> I was like, but I can't resist opening this product. And I like sat down at this desk and I was like, I'll start and I'll open like a couple packs. And I sat here for two hours at certain times, like almost like nodding off, like I must finish. And I just ripped open everything, like every pack ridiculous so much fun as as fun of a pack opening experience and and the decks and all that as i've ever had my whole life so um definitely very excited so so getting back to your 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 point there about um, your thoughts on on master sets and the differences and i and i think with this set what really like comes to mind for me is you know every magic set wizards has like been very clear like anytime they're ever asked about it like the company line is always, you know, we print magic cards for retail releases, right? The whole, the whole conversation surrounding secondary market is essentially just not talked about or acknowledged. It's not part of the conversation. And this set, if you're buying it as a fan, is very exciting because there's a lot of iconic cards in the set. There's a lot of very exciting stuff in the set that is like very playable cards that I specifically want in my commander decks. And I think what's interesting about that is that in in terms of standard sets, if you open a standard set, right? Like if we open any set that comes out, those cards don't exist anyway. Like standard cards primarily are brand new. And there's always a balance on those sets that bring them to whatever the retail price of a set is, right? Like it's whatever it is. I I honestly can't remember right off the bat. but like
0: It's still still ballpark $100, right? Like a standard set or draft booster box is around $100.
1: So like there's a balance naturally. And, and every every standard set has a few cool reprints, right? Like that's that's part of the deal. Like there's always a few things. But the the cost at retail tends to kind of be consistent, which is why when I look at this set, and I there was a lot of conversation in the weeks leading up to this that were like the the price at retail of this is higher than most. I opened these packs and my feeling when I was looking at them was like, this looks like this costs at retail about what I'm paying. Like, I really felt like what I was opening overall was, like, very exciting. And also the same with the pre-cons. The number of cards in the pre-cons that I, like, put directly into my commander decks that I was missing slots of, cards I didn't really particularly want to buy before, made me feel like these. this set is an exciting marquee set. Like, it, it is actually truly... And the thing you mentioned a second ago about different versions of cards, all of like the cool different variants and printings, what it really made me think about was my biggest issue with March of the Machine was that it was this really amazing set that had all these really iconic characters in magic lore and amazing looking legends. And specifically, specifically those commander legends, the ones that are, what the hell are they called? The the
0: Oh, I'm, I'm so bad at, I like still call extra treasures i'm terrible at remembering what the name but yeah the 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 mystical archive slot for for marcher
1: machines um so the 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 special version of commander like the legends cards that showed up in march the machine the foil treatment on the halo foils amazing the etched foil incredible like the the, there were so many cool versions of so many cards i loved and some of the ones that come to mind for me were like they're all amazing like um uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Emory. Amazing, right? These cards that were like, for me, kind of iconic, like I've played a lot and I would open like an amazing foil version and I would go look. The, I would go look it up later to see like if I was going to buy it on you know a website and it would be like, oh, this was like included in the cost of my pack. Surprising. Like I this I looked at this and this felt like I had opened this crazy thing. And that was kind of a function of providing a tremendous number of iconic cards and cool versions in a standard draft booster version. Because you could open those in every draft booster. So every FNM that I went and drafted, I would get a handful of those and I would bring them home. So I have like a box of these cool looking cards. The difference between that experience and what's in this set is drastic because this is a master set, which is really truly to me where the difference lies in, in, the, in the perception as a consumer of that set versus this set. This is not supposed to be your... Every cool card and every cool version I want, I'm going to buy at my local shop for just the standard draft booster pack. Like that isn't that isn't what this set is, which is kind of why when I look at these special versions of cards that I've always wanted to own, I feel like it to me, the set works in that way. It doesn't feel like it misses, whereas I think that aspect of March of the Machine succeeded because I like the cards, but missed in the way that I didn't know what to do with them. But it kind of devalued this, the, the like special quality of that printing. I didn't know what to do with it afterwards. I was like, I, I feel like I put this in a commons box. I don't really know what to do with the card. It's cool, but I, I have this in a deck already. So what do I do with it? You know?
0: Yeah, I, I think I think like, and I haven't I haven't played limited with this set yet. So that, that obvious, obviously will will we'll, we'll modify thoughts there. But I think historically these type of master sets, in the same way that Cube is my favorite way of playing limited. Right? Like it it's always sad because like uh the Cube will come out on Arena during like the Christmas season or whatever it's on and I'll like, like be drafting whatever. Like I was playing a ton of brothers war right before, before that yeah. came out. And then the cube came out during the holiday break and I played a bunch of that and I loved it. And then the cube ended and we've been back to brothers war. And I was like, oh, I don't want to play this ever again <laughs> because, yeah,
1: exactly, because
0: right. I, as a, as a modern player, as a commander, as a, as a, ma- as a magic player, I like playing with cool, powerful spells. And the moment that like, you know you like got regulated back to like oh a 2-1 for 2 is an important thing i need to be keeping out and track of it w- was the moment i like was like oh yeah i wish i could go back to like trying to draft storm or draft eldrazi or draft record
1: a 2-1 for 2 is like my favorite thing that's ever happened especially right, right. with fly it that is, really doesn't it,
0: it is like <laughs> the big difference between and i like love limited like i'm not saying i don't like limited but like the moment I get a taste of like powerful limited, limited with good cards <laughs> versus like draft chat right, right, right. is the moment I'm like maybe <sighs> I just want to do this. So that like that's the benefit of these types of sets, right? The negative, you know, it, it is a really high retail. You only it's a it's a Buddhist sand painting in some ways, right? Like I've only my favorite draft format of all time is Commander Masters 1. I've only drafted it four times ever, and that was because it was very expensive to do so and a extremely limited print run the most limited of all of these it, it really like the only reason it probably has the heavy printing is because it was a grand prix event um i
1: believe he means modern masters one guys i think yes said that is what like, i meant
0: i don't know what i said but uh <laughs> there's too many word. you know they're all the they're all modern masters uh masters of modern that's what it is really <laughs> um but yeah, no, I mean, and 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 you know, I don't want to belabor this issue too 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 much. I want to get in kind of like some of the cool cards with the commander sets and um and often in these types of sets we also talk like would we wanna see this added a modern, which I think is interesting. Uh I do wanna uh, quickly uh are there what are your for the commander decks and or this, what do you think in general are your biggest misses? Um I have two big flavor misses. Uh, And specifically with the Eldrazi deck, though, it's definitely my favorite and they have nothing like it has nothing to do with whether or not uh, you'll love this set or not. But my two big
1: misses. One. Um, I mean, I think from the perspective. So I we, we anybody who has ever listened to our show knows. I am not a flavor guy, though I have become more of one. I've learned more from Alex. I like appreciate it way more. It's it's fun for me because I like like the story. Uh, But historically, I follow like the cards that I think should have been in decks kind of a thing. So when I paid attention, the biggest one that everyone's shouting about is in the slivers deck. And I think this one is kind of egregious. Actually, sliver hive was not a reprinted land. That's crazy. That to me, because sliver hive, I remember having one from opening an M15 pack. I think it's M15. Um, I had one lying around in a bulk box for years. Like, it wasn't even in a binder, right? Like, I must have traded it at some point because I no longer have it lying around. But I think the reason it was in a bulk box was because, like, when I would look it up to see what the trade value was, like, a couple bucks, right? Like, I wasn't, it wasn't like a card that was like necessary for me to even pay attention to. Yeah. Well, I blinked. So I'm looking. On,
0: on Sunday, it was $12. Uh, four one yeah. and 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 because all silver cards are always going to have a, a premium around it, and it um septupled in prayer, or, or, or hex tuple, whatever 6 is. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, as soon as it was revealed that it wasn't in the deck. And now there's an argument that it was that low because it, everyone thought it would be reprinted, and it was like originally twenty bucks or whatever before that. But it definitely is. It definitely was a like a big like oh this card everyone thought was really easy to put in this deck wasn't, and now every deck that. Everyone who buys this deck, plus everyone who um, wants to, needs to want to own this card. Now, now it's like a high hot, and that that I definitely can see that being like, oh, that that's a that seems like, especially for a five color deck, that is so hard to balance that mana base, and that makes that a lot easier. Um, definitely, though, it does have every other like typele land, right? All of the like cavern of soul variants, other than cavern yeah, of soul right. itself. Uh, all the the uncommon ones that just like, yeah named
1: territory and 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 secluded courtyard the commander and, one yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I think
1: what I was going to add to your point there that's interesting to me is that you know if you look at like the person who the, let's say it's like a group of five people who are like magic experts and they're sitting around they're like sort of how do you construct this deck based on magic reprints that are commonly available. Versus ones that have been reprinted less or more versus ones that were originally at rare versus uncommon, etc. Like we're going to we're going to average this together to be like, OK, these are cards that you know I have in my binder versus ones that like I don't because they just haven't been around as much. The reality is, if you go and you add a bunch of lands, like really good lands, you know, like we're talking fast lands, you know, fetches, shocks there. Those are cards that have not seen as many reprintings and they're harder to find. They're a little more scarce. If you balance the deck around those things it becomes very hard to do the same thing with the cards that are supposed to be the marquees of the deck which are cool slivers that haven't seen as many printings right there are a bunch of them that have seen a kind of seldom reprints so for me when i looked at the mana base in the deck i was kind of like yeah like some of some of these tap lands are definitely a little bit more commonly available we've seen them more recently But I liked some of the slivers in the deck, honestly, like the new ones were very cool. Some of the very like like Synapse sliver is a really cool card that has not been available for a long time. There was like very cool art on the M15 ones, those weird human looking slivers from back then.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite flavor wins. And then it's in this deck, right, is that I am and... I t- made a video about this on TikTok, and then all of the all of the 14 and m 15 Predator Sliver apologists started I you would be in the comments of this video, but uh, honestly, I think like, and I think that's like an underrated feature of this deck, and something that like, if you had a chance to grab copies of, I think would be really worth it. Uh, is that all of the M15 and M14 slivers, which I think it prints most of them into this deck, are printed into this deck with classic sliver vibes, and this so. Okay, I was I was gonna message this, but then it was like during that whole day uh, when this was being previewed. Um, I think that slivers is Magic the Gatherings most iconic exclusive creature type. I think that like if you go, if you ask anyone that once played Magic or is adjacent to it, and you were to name like four creature types that Magic invented right? Not like dragons or goblins or elves, I right? know what
1: you're saying. It's not in Lord of the Rings. It's like, it's like, it's it's not going to show up in some other printing. It's not like in Warhammer. Like like
0: slivers is another magic yeah. example, or Phyrexians, right? I think slivers are, are it. I think like, and, and part of it is just like the weird era of the 90s, but and how they stuck around, but I think like they're like an iconic looking thing. They do something iconic. If you showed someone a sliver, like, yes, you might not be able to know which sliver it is because they all look kind of sliver, but you know it's a sliver, right? Versus the predator things, which I just like, I don't, that's just like another weird humanoid race. If you ask
1: someone who played magic back in, like back in the day, this happens a lot, right? Like we've been doing this forever. So if you find someone who's somewhere between the age of like 30 and 40, and they are like, I used to play magic. And you're like, when did you play, right? Like it's always like the same era, but like it's consistent. You're like, did you play with this dumb ice age of car- of course, of course you didn't. That's a bad set. And like the early stuff is rarer because people didn't play and revise as much. And once you get into Urza's block, certainly there are some, but for whatever weird reason, if you're like, do you remember sliver queen? They're always like, Oh yeah, totally. I remember slivers like slivers. I had lots of slivers. Like it, it was that it's, thing from that era. And I think it's a generational thing. Like, I don't even,
0: I don't even know. I think like, like I think every generation of magic player, all of the eras has a moment where Slivers was a moment, right? Yeah, like, you know, and there, and it's always super popular for newer players, like just good enough that like classic, like players that actively like the game, or like our long term players get into it. People that are being Slivers. like so, so it's like almost always every time Slivers comes back, it creates a new generation of oh yeah, remember back in the day Slivers? Like there are people that their Slivers era was Time Spiral block. There are people that their Sliver era was m15 and m14 there are people whose sliver era was onslaught block tempest block and now you know modern horizons too um and now and now this deck and and i think that that like is because they're wavy because they're not in every set but they come back like every five years or so it means that as as long as it's not the moment they're in print it's now someone's back in the day
1: (laughs) yeah i think i think with the slivers deck um I think your point is really sound. That's a really, that's like a really fun point. I think I have a lot of memories of slivers when I was growing up and I have another, a second set of them from the time store block where like, I remember gem hide sliver and I remember the ones from Planner chaos. And, you know, it's a favorite for sure. It, it's, it's in a, it's a very sort of visual creature type in, in description, right? The idea of sliver, there's a cool idea sort of, right? Of like sliding under the skin, like all these things that slide in and create this like horrible monstrosity that kills you. Um, I think it's a very fun idea, but I and do and think then, that
0: the other thing that I think is cool with slivers is, is that they are kind of a celebration of magic in a way that yeah. no other creature type does. Because, and especially now how they're using them, they always like revisiting slivers in moments of like, let's revisit our like, let's go to a place that has them like Modern Horizons, where they're like, oh, we could revisit any mechanic. Tom Sparrow, same deal, right? Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons are adjacently the same set type of set, and So it's cool seeing this one being like, okay, what were some of the cool mechanics from the last six years that we haven't revisited on a sliver? That Like, okay, what's a sliver look like with Replicate in green? What's a sliver look like with Amass and Afflict, the two mechanics from Amonkhet? What does an Amonkhetian sliver look like? Yeah. Uh, Which is another, like, one of the interesting flavor thing is that there is a sliver on Amiget. How did it get there? (laughs) Um, Hmm. What does a sliver look like that focuses on goad? What is a sliver that has the monarch keyword attached to it? Now that red does all this exile, all of the slivers we got in this are like really cool, like specific evolutions of mechanics. Um, To the extent that there's like some, I wish there were more just because like, I want the, the sliver that lets you tap to let you and target player draw a card right? Like the giving the new white ability to like, like politic, political, political yeah. card draw or
1: I was gonna say, I think I think I think it's a huge flavor win, because you do get a commander set of four decks that get released kind of with every set, but rarely is the excitement or power level high enough that it can because it's a master set. So it's like they're very, very cool, very sought after cards. And so I think that the focusing on slivers here very much in the same way, we're gonna get to some of the other ones that are in the same set here because it's four very cool decks Um, but like I will say when I think about you ask the biggest misses you know hive is the biggest miss in the slivers deck to me the reason is it's it's a mana based card that doesn't require them to go into what we just talked about a second ago right like there's all these there's all these tap lands that are like more widely available that were the mana base in the deck it's five colors hive is a really easy card that distinctly fits into this deck and like almost nowhere else so there's almost no reason not to Look, for instance, you look at you look at um, uh, Van- Vanquisher's Banner versus Coat of Arms, which is a like, Coat of Arms is not in this deck. I think it's one of the other misses that should be in this deck. But you know what? I like Vanquisher's Banner. That card is good. I've played that card in many decks. I don't mind that that's the version of the card that we have in the deck. And if you're going to focus on giving me really cool slivers, I would rather have cool slivers that are more exclusive and sought after than coat of arms. It's kind of a boring card. I play it, but it's not as exciting as a cool sliver. So like, that's the area where I'm sort of like, I understand that balance. Um, And I was just going to say that I think, otherwise, this sliver deck for me is a pretty huge win.
0: All right. So really briefly, I'm going to throw in some uh, magic, the gathering trivia question, Ben, and I want people uh, listening to play from home. Uh, How many five color legendary slivers have ever been printed in magic? And now... I will, I will, with the caveat, uh, the Sliver uh, that is in this set does count. The five-color one from this set does count. But okay, Rube, a Rumel biologist does not count.
1: Does not. Okay, does Okay. Not so you've got the OG, Sliver uh, sliver Queen. You've got the newest one, which is Sliver Grave Mothers. That's two. I know you have uh, Sliver Legion, which is the one from Future Sight. You've got Sliver Overlord. Which I don't remember which one that is, but I know it exists. The first sliver, uh, and I think there's one more uh, that I'm forgetting the name of. I think I think it's six total with the with sliver grave mother. I think it's six.
0: So that are legal in say commander. Are I vintage. don't want
1: if, if yes. you're asking me for like silver bordered or like. Gavin Verhe, un cards, no dice. But if yeah, you're yeah, asking there, me there, first- there are
0: six official slivers and then you missed uh beyond them, you missed sliver munch sliver monstrosity which was the
1: uh Gavin card. The,
0: no, 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 it's from the boost. It's from a uh, mystery boosters, the,
1: okay, the, got the, it, got it, Mystery got it, got
0: it, booster got it. sets. But um they are Sliver Hive Lord, Sliver Legion, Sliver Overlord, Sliver Queen and the first sliver. So Cascade, oh. t- you know, sl- it, uh the make a make a one sliver reserve list. Uh, search your library for a sliver, gain control of target sliver with Overlord. Uh, all slivers get plus one, plus one for each other sliver on the battlefield with Legion, and then uh, all slivers have indestructible with Hive Lord, which is the
1: one in this set. Um, so the one that I missed was Hive Lord, which was which is incidentally the one that they reprinted. So what's interesting about this is that the the two major bones of contention on like magic online about, not magic online, but like the, the online magic discourse about this deck was that like the mana base was not as beautiful, shiny, untapped as they would have liked, uh, which understandable, I get it. But a lot of that has been, you know, put into slivers and we didn't get more five color slivers. And I would argue getting Hive Lord and a five color new one that is extremely dope as the flagship card, you have two in the deck. Like there's six total, so you're getting a third of the cards that exist in this category in the pre-con.
0: I also think like there is... But this isn't totally true, and when we get to the black, the Abzan Enchantress deck, we'll we'll, we'll mention uh, my thoughts on that one. But uh, for the other three decks, the and the normal layout for these types of decks is there's two new legends that can be, and then there's a reprint legend that can cover it. And so having a fourth one gets that a, a little wonky and mixes that that pattern. Obviously, patterns don't matter that much. I think I think the two new legends kind of make up for that to me. I think the land, sure. I think that. I think there's maybe an argument that instead of the try lands, they should have been check lands. Cause then at least those play really well with the like semi fetch shock mana base or fetch dual mana base, battle land mana base that plays into it. I think would have been a little bit better for what the deck is trying to do. I also think like try lands are good though. Cause you're tri- it's really hard to make a five color mana base. That, that makes sense. I, I think that's, you know, uh, it, whatever, to be honest, uh, like the big, the big thing. And it's like been gone over a lot this week through, through what's been going on. I think to me, the biggest things that are a win on this are the flavor of getting all those new ones printed in the correct like visual style. Yeah, all of the new ones are really amazing. Though that would have been true if that, regardless of of when this deck kind of came out in a yearly cycle, the new commanders are really great. Um, and you know, just just kind of what what are the interesting things you mentioned like this and the other decks? It's interesting to me um, that all four of the decks in this set are kind of like Wizard's spin on. The big bads of casual magic. (laughs) Like, if I sit down to it, If you go to a local game store and you're like, Hi, people I've never met before. I, this person you've never met, uh, have four decks with me. One of them is a Sliver deck. One of them is an Eldrazi deck. One of them is an Enchantress deck. One of them is a Planeswalker deck. No That's one good. will ever want to play with you. <laughs> it's like a who's who of, like, everyone's least favorite archetypes from 2010. They're
1: like, I've got Sithis, and it's really fun. You're like, cool, i will be nice to and ignore you, and then I'll hate you when the game's over. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'll like, go, oh, it. great,
0: everything you have has hexproof, is indestructible, you draw six cards when you play a spell, and, uh, okay, the game's over, cool. I'm glad you took the point. And then, like, Eldrazi's like, oh, I just got annihilated. This feels wonderful. Or... Planeswalkers, which is like, oh, how long did your turn take? How many extra turns did you take? How many triggers on planeswalkers did you take? You've ultimated three yeah. of them. Cool. Like, now, mind you, I think Wizards is done an amazing job. I think every one of these decks takes A, takes these archetypes that classically maybe are that way into really fun directions. Um one other thing that I think with the Silver Deck, one of the reasons I think its mana base is so slow is um These decks are specifically balanced. When they make the commander cycle decks that they make, they are balanced to play against each other. It's meant to have almost a board game experience if you were to buy the full set. These are meant to play against each other and have multiple games be really fun. The problem there is that Slivers is a deck that if they gave it a good mana base that wasn't super slow, would just destroy the other three decks. A... Eldrazi deck who's like, I'm not gonna play, I'm like ramping until I get to play a 112 drop. Oh, you have 30 slivers in play that all have plus eight, plus eight, first strike, vigilance, haste, draw you three cards, whatever. When they attack, I'm dead. You're an enchantress deck where it's like most of my cards aren't creatures. You're a uh or you're a planeswalker deck where literally all none of your cards are creatures, and they're attacking the planeswalker. So it's it's I think it's a little bit of a nerf in this metagame that like. In the long run, if you're buying this deck to build it, the first thing that most players do when they buy commander decks is look at the mana base and how to upgrade it. Most commander and mana bases isn't the thing to like live with for a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the the point of a pre-constructed deck is that everybody sort of knows that you'll play with the version of the deck you have uh, until you want to upgrade it or, or build a different deck. But like the constraints on the deck you build in Magic are, are pretty wide. There's a lot of cards, and commander is a format that is like, very loose, like you can you can definitely get away with playing a low power deck with people, especially because when you sit down, I've heard about commander players that sandbag lands to pretend to miss land drops so that like, they're not public enemy number one at the table, so they can like win later in games like it's, it's, it's definitely the political aspect of a four player game means that if you're not playing the most powerful deck, you kind of have time like, like, there are tables where you'll get rolled, but I don't think having a slow mana base means you're just going to get outright roll. The point I was going to make a second ago that, that was interesting to me was the, the 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 slivers, like everything makes everything else better. I like just built a Kumaena, Tyrant of Orozca, the blue-green merfolk lord from deck, And I played it for the first time and I was like, there's like so many merfolk lords, like a crazy number where it, when I'm playing in 1v1 in Highlander, you know, they're a little slow because you can't play that many of them. But in like a four player game where if I play one or two creatures in a turn and people aren't going to just outright kill me, it's like every other card I'm drawing makes all my other cards better. It's kind of astonishing. And I do think that over time in Magic, Slivers are the best example, but Merfolk are kind of like this. Elves are like this. Goblins and Soldiers. The more times they print into the type archetype, the more dangerous these decks get in terms of power level to the point where it's like this is going to be insanely good. Like, like, you don't have to try that hard for this deck to be so, so, so good, um, which, you know, it's kind of fun, because I think people do like the typo stuff, right? And I think, I
0: think a lot of the decks in this set all are that, right? That's the kind of point of typo based decks, right, is like one of these standing alone isn't that good, but they all synergize so well together that the more of them I have, the better. I can play cards that synergize so well with one of these that if I have a bunch of them, they do well. And that brings us to the next deck, uh, and that is the Planeswalker deck. And... Um, I think from a, from a, from a success story, there's like so many things amazing. There's like some of my favorite cards. I think of all of these that are printed, especially the Chandra, uh, bronos I think some misses to me is, and like similar in like a flavor perspective, uh, is that this was a perfect moment to print like Dak Faden before he died, like on, on, uh, during War of the Spark, like his, like, like his War of the Spark self, like Vronos is a great example. I love that Vronos is in the set. Vronos being... Um, the planeswalker that Garrick kills in the M15 trailer, who's a Cathar on, from Innistrad, um, is is really cool. Like, that's, I think, I wish I saw, There's a little bit more of that. I think we saw a little bit more, um, like, unvisited planeswalkers from the past. Uh, now, mind you, Teo is kind of that, right? We've had, like, two printings of Teo. One of them is a Magic Arena exclusive. And then Chandra is, like, doing the thing and is kind of the, like... Because of Acolyte of Flame, um, her and Sarkon are kind of like the poster boy and girl for like planeswalker tribal commanders. So I do understand like it's in her color pie for Chandra to be the one, partially because she is both mentee and mentor to a lot of planeswalkers. So I get why she's in this. Um, you know, there's also maybe my favorite car- set card in this entire set, which is uh, Spark Shaper Visionary, which is the two blue human wizard zero five that turns planeswalkers into birds. I think there's so nothing, sad. I don't think there's anything in my life than having cards forcibly turn planeswalkers that aren't themselves into creatures.
1: <laughs> I like that card a lot. Uh, I, I opened a couple of those and I am very excited about that card. The, the three planeswalkers in the set, I really, really love. Uh, Vronos, Chandra, and Teo. I think Teo is my favorite of the three. I like that card a lot. I think it's the the upside is super, super high. Like making a zero four that protects you and then has that cool, you mentioned it earlier, the political ability of each of us drawing. I think that's <laughs> really fun um there's like a very very cool phoenix that gives you some cool stuff with planeswalker abilities that i liked a lot you can get it like the a
0: copy a... loyalty abilities when you activate them um and then choose new targets
1: yeah but it doesn't it seem like it comes back when you recast planeswalkers because it's the phoenix it's, but it seems like a very fun card like if you're building this deck that's like a pretty good card that's in the deck and then um obviously the commanders like you know you you they're they're very very good like the the new the the, the yeah go ahead no,
0: no, no. What, what I think is really interesting with the Commanders is they kind of give you two different choices on how to build this deck. Because, like, if you're trying to upgrade this deck or change it, there's, like, this really interesting dilemma for a a Jeskai Planeswalker deck, which is most good white Planeswalkers want a creature to sit and play to pump, to jump, to leap, to put plus one, plus one counters onto. But if you're playing this with um, Gruff, or, or Commodore Gruff, you don't Want to play with very many creatures? I mean, you have the creature tokens that he's making, but it, they kind of make those cards a lot worse. Versus Liori, which is the uh, the cat, the elemental cat from um, uh, Ikoria. It's like,
1: it's like the second commander in this set, right? Yeah,
0: is is this creature that you do want to get? Like, you do want to play all these white planeswalkers? So, like, in which planeswalker and how you play it? Do you play like the blue red planeswalkers are there to like? create a lot of value and gum up the board or do you want to play like the white based Voltron version uh, kind of could put you in different directions, which I think is really cool.
1: I think Leory is top tier for me in this, in this deck. I think Liori is one of my favorite cards in the whole deck. I think it's really cool. Anytime a commander deck gives us a three color commander that is like genuinely really good and only costs those three colors. I'm always excited. I mean, that's the sort of, that's the, like the modern player in me that wants cheap commanders, but Liore just like, is very cool like i really like the abilities it makes me feel like if i ever wanted to build a commander deck no matter what the commanders were no matter what gets printed it already feels like a really safe commander that'll be very fun to play so i think that this i have less to say like sort of i guess on magic history than i had about the sliver deck because it's like so historically tied um my I guess my one question for you as kind of the expert of where you think magic is going is this in some ways feels like kind of a last hurrah you get like 12 or 15 planeswalkers in the pre con, which is really exciting for a new player. They get to open all these amazingly iconic characters. There's so many fun cards isn't like Narset in the set. Like there's all these great cards. It's, uh,
0: it's I believe of it's, it's every Narset, but the blue white one is in the deck.
1: Oh my god. And so and sh- there's like Chandra, there's all these not the new one and the old one. I mean, there's all these cards, Jace, Bellerin, like really iconic magic cards in here. Well, one What um, I, I think is
0: interesting with Liori. Is like it kind of encourages you to just like build a Chandra deck, right? It's a Chandra deck splashing blue white for like maybe a few additional things, or you know, build a Jace deck, or build a it's like the first kind of commander that's like really like leans into that. Ironically, you can't choose the Wanderer, uh, because the Wanderer does it is a Planeswalker, no Planeswalker type, they're Planeswalker type because sure. like, they're nameless, which I think is really funny, but.
1: Uh, like type, of, you need typal planeswalkers. Yeah, right yeah work. you have
0: to pick. You have to pick the. It has to have like legendary planeswalker Chandra. It definitely is like a cool thing you could lean into, right? Like I think like you could just make the Chandra deck that M nineteen I think really really wanted you to make anyways, and now you can lean into it.
1: I do love the three mana uh, uh, Chandra from that deck, but uh, from that set. But um, my question for you that I was sort of prefacing a second ago was: your theory was that planeswalkers are kind of going away like that was like your thought like that in the future we will not see them anymore that magic has kind of gotten to the end of its rope with the design of them and my question to you here is with this deck and all these great reprints and a planeswalker commander a planeswalker and a planeswalker adjacent great Edition commander do you think that's still true does this deck make you doubt that at all
0: no i mean i mean obviously with march of the machines the whole story of march of the machine aftermath was a ton of Planeswalkers lost their spark, right? That was the whole, like, literally all that little micro set did was give inform us that Planeswalker sparks are gone, but legendary creatures can now travel between planes. Um, this, if anything, shows me that that's still true. Like, this is like, okay, Planeswalkers in general are going to be a much rarer thing. I think we're going to still get, like, one a set. I think, I think it's going to not, they're not going away, but we were getting to the point where we're almost getting five a set, right? And now I think that's going to pull back to um much closer to one or if any a set to see like how that continues because i think the characters that are planeswalkers still are going to matter but i think a lot of characters you thought were planeswalkers are no longer like i don't i believe the kenrith twins for instance neither of them are planeswalkers and the in the, the during the wild zone jane set, it's going to be about uh both of them kind of ascending to the different ideas of what the throne is going to be in them fighting each other In regards to why this deck exists, I think there's an argument that for all four of these decks, other than maybe the Enchantress deck, it's kind of a like, we don't plan on revisiting these concepts in a while, so we wanted to make sure that we kind of keep the IP alive, keep the idea of Eldrazi alive, keep the idea of Slivers alive, keep the idea of Planeswalkers alive, because we're heavily going to be reducing their inclusion as key features of the game moving forward. Um, or not reducing for, like, just we're not doing Eldrazi stuff anytime soon, right? When's the next, like Emrakul stuck on a moon. We don't plan on going to Anastrad anytime soon. Uh, Slivers are very uniquely specific mechanic. You have to very specifically go to like be doing slivers as the thing that you're going back to. So this is kind of like one of the few opportunities to do that. Um, And so I think, I think that's why this is such a big feature. This is kind of their, like these are the, some of the ideas we've had for planeswalkers for a while, um, and so we're going to bloop them all out here as we kind of, uh, look at other places to, 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 to show what we want to do.
1: It does. It, it is interesting. I'm not saying that like, you know, green and black don't have iconic planeswalkers, but I do feel like Guy planeswalkers is sort of the classic, uh, the classic feature, right? Like it feels like they uh, planeswalkers are more of those three colors than the other two. Like it feels, I guess, historically, in my opinion, like you see more heat, and synergy in those three colors and it's probably because they are non-creature spells and prowess exists in those three colors and so a lot of the effects and abilities are sort of driven around those three colors to feature you casting a non-creature spell i think
0: also like just character wise right they're, they're green basically there's garrick Vivian, nissa, and yeah. nissa and then uh and garrick has like, went for a big window of not showing up that was replaced by Vivian. Like, they've never, like, had multiple green characters being the main character. At the same time, they've kind of cycled through them. It was Garrick for a while, and then Nissa replaced him, and then Nissa left the gatewatch. So, like, let's focus on Vivian for a second. Um, And then... And now Nissa's not a, you know, planeswalker anymore. And and with Black, it's, like, basically Liliana, right? Like, or villains. (laughs) Uh, And the Liliana cards rarely have synergies with each other, or at least there's no, like, the more Liliana you control. There is a Garrick synergy one, right? The six mana Throne of Eldraine Garrick is, uh, anytime a wolf dies, put a plus one, uh, put one loyalty counter on any Garrick Planeswalker you control. It's black and green to get all of them. So um, great for
1: Oathbreaker. Uh, before we get into the next Commander decks, I think we should each do a couple of our favorite uh, you know, reprints from the set. There's amazing reprints in the set. It's one of the reasons that it's so exciting to open these packs. And I was thinking we could each, you know, just throw, I mean, do you have some that you like or what do you think? Sure.
0: Yes. Uh, okay. Let's, let's, I think, I think honestly, one of the funnier favorite cards I'm glad is being reprinted is Zalortha. I don't know if you know what this card is. I don't. It's uh, it's uh, three red, green, seven, three. Uh, creatures you control. Uh, lethal damage delta creatures you control is determined by their power rather than their toughness. Uh, it has trample. It's a dinosaur. Uh, this card was uh first seen uh in this set. It's uh technically uh one of the old. I think it is the only not reprint in the entire set. Um, and the reason for that is because this is the precursor. To Godzilla, King of Monsters. So for the the Bio Box promo for Ikoria, which we all was during COVID, the Biobox Box promo for Cor- Ikoria was Godzilla, King of Monsters. It was this card in the alternate universe of the Godzilla frame, but there was no card for what it was an alternate of. So this is the first time this card has ever been printed in paper, and retroactively, this is the only not reprint in the entire set
1: like non commander deck thing it's like in the set and it is like a normal new card you're saying correct
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, excluding the commander cards in the commander deck that are in the actual draftable set this is a draftable card in the draft set it has only ever appeared as a Godzilla card as a buy a box promo so it is the first time this is we finally got on the original card for that
1: Godzilla card I did not know that I will jump in with mine really quickly um this is obvious and anybody who has been watching us or listening to us or playing attention to magic knows this The free-if-you-control-your-commander cycle is amazing to see back, and the alternate arcs are so so good, like Fierce Guardianship, Deflecting Swat, uh, Flawless Maneuver. These cards are commander staples, and it's crazy when they got first printed a few years back that anybody would have even doubted that these cards were going to be anything other than totally sought after, because if you play commander, they're in the color for me, other than really the green one in, in Obscuring Haze. They're almost all just must play to me so the alt art is really incredible in these cards and uh i am trying to get a fierce i have a the alt art non-foil and the deflecting swat and they're just very very cool i'm happy to see them back uh, i will jump in unless you have others i'll just come with like a few others that really jump out to me uh next up is capture of jingzu we've not seen a reprint of capture of jingzu which is the third version of the time warp variant right it's it's blue blue three for taking extra turn after this one there was this weird period in the like early 2000s, I believe, where Magic decided that each of their their sets they printed was going to have a time warp card. So like you had the original time warp, which is just blue, blue three extra turn. And then you had temporal manipulation. And then you had capture of Jingzu. They're all from different sets. They're all the same card. They're all just sorcery speed, but capture had not been reprinted yet. So It's very fun as a longtime collector of magic to open these packs and be able to open one of those. It's a very, very cool card that exists in the set. Um, I think that's a very fun one. Uh, I think a huge one that just like exists out there and any of us that are opening these packs kind of hopes to open is Jeweled Lotus, right? Like Jeweled Lotus is a card that has only existed a little bit. And I think because it's only existed in these supplementary products. Your deck is not made better. Any different than like a Mox Diamond or any kind of big piece of power in your deck is right. Like, 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 a, it is good potentially, but it's not like you have to play Jeweled Lotus for your deck to be good, right? All I would say I have, I have seven commander decks, only one plays Jeweled Lotus, but it is still a very exciting card. Like, it's a very fun card to open in the set. And I guess we talked about this before, but you know, Mana Crypt cards like that, it's that or a Jeweled Lotus, something in that zero artifact slot that's a big sought after reprint so it is exciting opening these packs knowing you could open one because you know almost all of us have at least one deck that wants a jeweled lotus right
0: yeah i think well jeweled lotus is always an interesting card to me because people were so this is the best card ever and then it swung this is the worst card ever this is bad and then it came like oh actually it's good it's cdh and then senior's like well it's good in cdh if you like have a commander that's you know four or more mana and and and, uh only two colors and so it it, it's been this swingy Uh, card to see where it sees play. Um, it kind of taught me that I think like of the power nine, if we're going to unban a card, Black Lotus is the most interesting one to unban. Like I actually think like I think that Black Lotus shouldn't be unbanned. But if you're like someone was like Wizards, like you have to unban a card in Power Nine now, RC. I think it like is the safest and maybe the most interesting. And I think this Jewel Lotus kind of shows that, right? It like is fine. It's good but it's not the most busted thing you'd ever see and it's 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 definitely an exciting reprint cuz uh, that card needed to be reprinted.
1: Yeah, I think I think beyond that like the card I mean there's there's honestly guys if you're buying the set there are a tremendous number of cards that if you open it's them just, you'll be like, excited. It's just
0: a pile of, of heater after heater, right? And even some of like the uncommons, oh, like yeah. the fact that you can get now get a, a foil darksteel Steel mutation or a foil song of the dryads, the fact that that, you know, you have like Arachnogenesis being reprinted, one of the best fog variants of all time that gets to go up against Craterhoof. I'm so excited and limited to have someone cast Craterhoof Behemoth against me and for me to cast Arachnogenesis to block it. Like that's going to be the spiciest. Dude, I, literally,
1: I literally heard this four days ago. Evan, my buddy who I played with last night, was like, did you hear about when uh, so-and-so scooped? And he was like, yeah, I cast Arachno Genesis when he when he freaking crater hoofed. And I, he was like so proud of himself, like that exact story. And he was like losing his mind. And I was like, I forgot that Arachno had the fog ability on it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, one of the things I did open in my box that was exciting for me was I got two foil. Crater hoofs. I did not own a hoof prior to this. So I and I had it in two decks. I had it in two decks, just like waiting to actually get the real card, right? Like i was not playing it yet, and so I did open them and put them in the two decks. Like it's very exciting for me. Uh, and, and I want I, everyone to know that this is
0: terrible. I mean, you know that Craterhoof Behemoth is my like least favorite way for a commander game to end. Like by and large, by a wide margin. Like I maybe like would be the card I would ban uh, if I was in charge of everything.
1: Explain why you hate Craterhoof Behemoth so much. I don't understand. It
0: it's so boring. It it like is just the easiest thing that cheat can play on the planet. There's so many different ways to tutor it. In green, there's so many ways to put it into play for free. So it's like guaranteed every green deck on the planet can just put Greater Hook Behemoth into play if they want to at any moment. And then not only is just the game ending in the way that it ends it boring, it's boring because it involves just infinite math. Because it's not always a guarantee that you're going to win. There's a chance that you could do the combat math wrong. Someone might block incorrectly. You might block correctly. You might attack incorrectly because you have to do it with four people. So you have to sit there and watch Ben Bateman specifically tilt for 20 minutes as he mixes around his creatures and then looks at your creatures across the, the field. Like, oh, maybe if you block there, does that, okay, so I need a third one. Oh no, I lost count. Okay, let me recount. Okay, so it's trample damage. Let me add this all up. How much blockers do you have? And then over here, you have this other player who's like watching you do all of this, hoping that like, Oh, he won't. Oh, he'll just target Alex and Michael. He won't target me, Marshall. And then Marshall's like, oh no, wait, he is gonna do lethal to me after 30 minutes of you doing all that. Oh, I have fog. Don't worry about it. I hate it. I hate it. the entire the entire experience is is toxic. <laughs> Get rid of the cart. Everyone's like, oh, the game has to end sometime. It doesn't end with Greater Hope Behemoth, because math has to be done. <laughs>
1: It's like it's obviously oh, like Curry for the Simpsons and like it's just like plus and everybody loses, yeah or something, whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, but but okay, that I think I think that like vaguely wraps up some of our favorite reprints. What I will say about it is, I opened my packs and found a just a smorgasbord of cards. I was excited to own some some that went into decks. I'd say at least half of my big chase cards that went straight into decks, and the others were just like this is such a cool version of a card I've never owned before. Um, there's no doubt the retail price on the set is expensive. I'm not going to sit here and ex- pretend it's not. And I totally understand if somebody listening to this is just like, that's just not for me. Uh, and, and look, there is going to be another magic set that comes out in six weeks. Lord of the Rings was an amazing set. Just It just came out like a, like, like a month ago. So like there's going to be an endless number of magic sets. But if you so happen to see this set at retail and you think it's cool, I had a phenomenally exciting experience opening it, and I do recommend it. I I can't say that for every Magic set. Looking back at Nuka I would not say that about that set. It was not my favorite.
0: So I think Nuka is like... Underrated? I think it's like an underrated gem.
1: (laughs) No, no, no chance. I guarantee guarantee
0: you (laughs) in like five years, there's going to be like multiple $20 mythics out of that set. There's going to be people like talking about how good some of the cards from there are. I, I would bet you twenty bucks that that set that set is an underrated staple filled gem that will be talked about years. Sort of,
1: I'll now. lose my twenty bucks and still poop on the set right now. That's I'm I'm happy to. So <laughs> perfect. All right,
0: <laughs> uh, all right. So we have we have two more commander decks to get through before before the end of the show, and I do want to get through them. Uh, so the next set, and this is the Enchantress deck. Uh, this is. Um, of them, this was, this is kind of the one that I think is the most out of the box. If you're playing all four of them against each other, this is out of the box, the most powerful of the four. It's just doing, it has so many enchantress staples. Now, none of these staples are super expensive. So like there's a debate on that side, but from the perspective of just like power level out of the box, I think this is the highest, uh, interesting. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about, um, the, like the tertiary commander, so in the planeswalker deck, it's Narset, the, the original Narset six mana creature Narset. In um, the commander, sl- the sliver deck, it's the five mana sliver. Interestingly enough, when I was like making a video talking about this feature, I looked through the enchantress deck, there is no third third place commander there's a scythus which is green white and then there's Erebos and heliod which are white and mono black and then neely i think so there's a uh, no not a, the spider the five mana legendary three five that makes one twos i think um those there's three legendary creatures but none of them there's no backup commander you were either playing with uh Narcy, who's amazing um and like and like now big debate between this and the Lord of the Rings on what's the best saga commander or you're playing with the Nichthia, um, which has some really cool enchantment reanimator strategy stuff that I think is fascinating. But other than that, no other commander. So my my like my my miss here is I think Doran should have been in the deck. Um, no. It's a weird deep cut. A, it does need a reprint. Um, but B, the amount of enchantress cards that are like zero threes or zero twos or one threes or two fours, like that are all just sure. like weirdly big, but no toughness. Creatures, it's like I think
1: oh, would the, the tokens have had to have been like different, like created somehow differently, not like one ones, like zero yeah, two I would have
0: Made them like two fours. Like all, all oh, Nicia's okay. tokens being two fours and then having Doran, or like making them zero fours and having Doran or something like that, maybe make add like a little bit of a toughness matters theme. Um that does make Nicia way worse by herself. So I do think two four is better than zero four. Uh, sure. But I think I think that that would have been an interesting because then 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 with Doran they're four fours right then it kind of works in a cool way It gives them plus two plus zero, um, I think that would be that would have been my my like hot hot way of adding a third commander in something else. Also maybe it just doesn't need it. Like the deck is very fun. There's some very cool cards, awesome enchantress stuff. I'm really excited Mist. to build an Anichthia.
1: This I was gonna say this deck to me is very powerful. I like a lot of the cards. It's the most unexciting to me, I guess, in, in terms of not because the cards, the cards are cool and the reprints are great, but I just, Enchantress to me as a strategy feels a bit more sort of out of the box. Like it's just, you buy it and like you play command, you play Enchantresses and you draw cards and like they're most of the cards that are in this, enchan- like this, this, this precon right? Like Enchantress Presence, mm-hmm. Verduren, Mesa Enchantress, there's like all the things you would expect would be in here are in there. Um, some of the new cards... Actually, I think there's one particular card. I believe it's called Composer of Spring. It green 1. It's like a 1-3, I think. And it has a very cool recursive effect where you get like a land in play from your hand. But if you have like six enchantments, I think you get like a creature or land or something. It's like a very yeah, cool... It's, it's, it's one
0: on a green satire bard 1-3 constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you control six or more enchantments instead, you may put a creature or land card from your hand on the battlefield to it.
1: It's To me, it's the card in the set that is the most like, this is going to be a staple forever in these decks. It's going to be like a pretty sought after card. I kind of think it's going to be one of the most um, wanted cards in the set. I think there are, I think that the commander is quite good. Like Anikia is very good, but I think in terms of it costing two, and it's a very hard to imagine that this card is not going to just be like a staple in every single commander deck
0: ever. Are you saying a good two-mana creature is something that you, Ben <laughs> Damon, are interested in? That's so weird I, that I'm I so love surprised this card. by you. Also a 1-3 to
1: pray with Doran. <laughs> I, like, I opened the commander deck, and then earlier today I was going through my box of the commons and uncommons and i found that i had opened a borderless version of this card in one of my backs and i i lost it i was so excited <laughs> I, like i like really love this card it's like very high on my list of favorites so um to is me it- it's the one there's that black there's a black demon too that i think is really cool it has a great desire statement.
0: where you can pay life instead of uh, mana to play enchantments that card is really good get too. that obnos- omniscience into play so, so yeah, it's the Enchant one is weird, partially because I think like especially after the last set where sagas were already a theme, so we kind of already have a saga. Like we've had so many Enchantment matter stuff this year, it feels in some ways that this could have been uh, just any in any Commander set, right? Like there's some high profile reprints in this deck. Yeah. Like like the deck is a lot tighter than you would expect from a normal Commander set. But of them, it's the one that feels the most like oh, this could just be like. It's not. It doesn't feel the same vibe as Planeswalker Slivers and uh, Eldrazi does. Like those all feel like special limited edition creatures that you don't see. We just went through like over the last two years, multiple sets where enchantments enchantments matter. I do think some of this is just the like as Kamigawa is was originally about to rotate out at the end of this summer. This is like a new place to put all those cool enchantments in. I also think like graveyard enchantments matters. There's not there's there was no commander for this. I mean, part of the reason I recommended Doran is when I after I looked through every Abzan commander available, there isn't a good one for enchantment. I mean, you could put Carador in it, I guess, because you can like replay the creatures, but there isn't really a good one in these colors. This is like a very unique strategy that hasn't existed before. So I do think from that perspective, I'm glad. Um, But I kind of agree with you that like I'm trying to. So if you had to pick. So, you know, Eldrazi, Planeswalker, and Slivers, those are the three commander decks that are present. And you're trying to find like a who's who of other hated slash beloved, like fan favorite, but also like, you know, a, a little bit pub stompy mm-hmm. uh, deck archetypes. That's iconic. Something that people would recognize. What sure. would you
1: pick? Blink. I'd go blue, white, blink probably as the feels like the most that feels like the most traditional classic like is that iconic new player. Enough, though?
0: like I feel like it like it's not like that's like more like synergy than it is like
1: I think it's synergy but I think it's the sort of I think it's almost like the, the most classic like new player being like when I play this card it's good I want to play this card that makes me get to get this card back and play it's even better so like I don't think it's iconic in the same way I guess like if I was thinking about things that feel like they're in magic's dna now that are not just like mechanics because I, I what will be next i guess it's probably like it
0: might be because in some ways it stacks right and enchantress in some ways is a stack stack now this isn't really doing that so it's a little bit different yeah i was trying to think earlier if i could think of anything as a fourth and maybe there's just isn't like maybe there's like three really low-hanging fruit that are like obvious and then it like it jumps To like the next, like infect is one, but they did infect decks earlier this year. You can go, Um, you can go
1: dragons. You can go dragons, but that's another five color tribal deck. I would even say that's like
0: swinging in the other direction, right? That's like the oh, I'm I will never be sad to sit down to at a commander table where someone else's deck theme is dragons. Um, I got
1: so rolled last night on so rolled on like an ur dragon deck with like
0: I've lost to dragons many a time, but they're fun. They're like big cool dragony things and every single one they play does something sick and you're like okay yeah i deserved the dial let a bunch of six drops at play <laughs> That's yeah. like, i hate losing no matter what
1: <laughs> he, he, no he played he played like soul ring on turn one tithe on turn two and then ur dragon came down on like the next turn and then like he just killed everybody after that it was just like so stupid i was like come on smothering yeah. tithe is a stupid card i think
0: enchantress might just have been the right choice like I, i'm trying to like control seems wrong like also you don't want to like put like hard stacks here you don't want like stasis the deck to like ever be printed uh, i will say this
1: though i will say i will say that my biggest miss in the enchantress deck by a mile is that smothering tithe was not in it because it's I don't think it's the fun card, but I think from the perspective of like the the deck being desirable and it being on theme and like they printed it in the set. So there's no reason that they're going to put it in the set. It shouldn't just be in the pre con. And I feel like if they're going to put it in the set as a reprint, that would have been the marquee reprint in the set in in the deck that would have been exciting. Like also it costs four, which means that in terms of commander pre cons, like it's not egregious. I think the card is not fun or fair, but I also think it's totally fine. And if this deck had, had a smothering tithe in it, I think it would have been like sort of the marquee card that it was missing. To me, it's 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 like the biggest miss in this deck is that it didn't have smothering tithe. I was surprised actually when I look back that, you know, like there was a couple of cards in the set that didn't get reprinted, right? is not in the set, Rystic's not in the set uh there was like a few but but the fact that tithe is in the set and it's not in the enchantment deck was like there's just no reason for that like this this should be in the enchantment deck.
0: yeah I think I think that's fair. I, I think like it's hard because it is one of the cards that are like it's supposed to be exciting that it's in the limited packs, right So I, I, I get right. why it's not in the set I, I do I do agree. That, that would have been cool, for sure. Alright, last, the last deck. The, like, yep. arguably best one, the coolest one, the, like, flavorfully, like, as I looked through it, my, like, brain broke three times, because it's, it's the Eldrazi card. deck. And it's not just because of the Eldrazi, but it's like, oh, right, there's these, like, four unique colorless things that they've done, and you get a new thing for all of them. You don't just get Eldrazi, you get... Uh, a skittering cicada which is one of the like insect uh colorless insects from Ikoria. you get the uh the archaic who is one of the like ancient beings on archivos which is the uh uh, plane that strixhaven takes place on and then you have Amarthus, who's the commander who is and then ugin's mastery who's a like ugin disciple spirit naga who uses like ugin's uh manifest magic and so like (laughs) <laughs> it's this nice little like history of like oh these are the different four like colorless beings on the planet and then of course you have these like three or four like iconic like Eldrazi spells you have a new Eldrazi which is it's interesting that there's only one new actual Eldrazi which is well the, this and the commander uh flare of loyalties which is the eight uh colorless eight uh wing ding wing ding um whenever you cast a spell gain control of target creature until end of turn untap that creature until end of turn it has Base power and toughness ten ten. Engage trample annihilator two and haste. Uh, so fun fact. I don't know if you know this Ben, but this card goes infinite with Kiki Jiki.
1: Oh sure, <laughs> very quite 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 good, quite good. Yeah, <laughs> if you needed <laughs> to do that. <laughs> this this card is extraordinarily good. I think I think like this card is top of the list in terms of favorites. I think. The card Rise of the Eldrazi is my personal favorite from the set, but I think that these two are I think tied, we'll say. I think I, Rise of the Eldrazi is a perfect magic card. It's let's talk about Rise of the Eldrazi. I, I like when I read it and I opened the deck, I like kind of lost it. And I like I think I texted you an image and I was just sort of like, I need to like talk to people about this, but I can't. Yep, this so is like
0: so for the, so those who don't know, it's it's a uh, nine uh, wing Wingding, wing, wing ding one for each Titan uh, sorcery. This spell can't be countered. Destroy target permanent. Target player draws four cards. Take an extra turn after this one. Exile Rise of the Eldrazi. Now the thing is that is the uh, abil- Those are the uh, triggered abilities of each, the cast abilities of each of the original nine Titans. When you cast Emercle, you got to take an extra turn. When you cast uh, Ulamog, you destroy target permanent. And when you cast Kozilek, you get the draw four card. So it like is just like smushing yeah. the original Eldrazi into a sorcery. And No, oh, they did it the going, thing
1: where they like said the name of the movie yeah. in the movie. They were yeah, like, it, it
0: joins the run a long run card. of yeah. cards that <laughs> say the name of the set as the card. <laughs> it's Eldrazi. I'm so hyped.
1: Uh, this card blew my mind. I like. I like read it, and I was like, "This can't be a real thing, right?" I was like texting you, like. It's it's my favorite. I think uh, Flayer is probably close, but uh, there's there's like six or seven. But actually, let's talk about the commanders. Both commanders are quite good. Like one costs some mana, the other one is free-ish.
0: Yeah, yeah. so there's the seven mana one. That's the one in the box, right? It, it uh, has Cascade. Uh, all whenever you cast a color spell that costs seven or more mana, Cascade Casc- it, yep. it gains Cascade Cascade. Um, I think that one's cool. It's kind of a little boring. I don't like... The big cascade-type effects is not something that I've like ever really loved playing in Commander. The Omnarthus, the Ghostfire Initiate, though, the XX Spirit Naga 0-0 uh, enters the battlefield and X plus one, plus one counters on it, and then whenever you put one or more plus one, plus one counters on another colorless creature, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and then when it dies, you manifest, equal to the, uh, e- uh, manifest the number of cards from the top of your library equal to the number of counters on it is like... A walking ballista uh um what's the other one with the Thopters?
1: Hangerback Walker.
0: A, a walking ballista hangerback water walker commander <laughs> is such yeah. a sick idea. And also manifest is like one of my favorite mechanics of all time. Honestly, I think manifest could be evergreen. Um
1: it's so random, damn. which is which is what I like, well that's like well that's what's good about it, right? Like unless you control it, it's it's fairly random, which makes the 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 cost of it. And also, the effect of it kind of random, which is why I believe there's a card called like Ugin's something. It's like a four mana uh, colorless something or other. Like, whenever you cast a colorless spell, I, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But Ugin's the point is,
0: faster. it's four mana enchantment. Whenever you cast a colorless creature spell, manifest the top card of your library. Uh, and then, whenever you attack with a creature with power six or greater, you may uh, turn a face down creature you control face up.
1: Yes. So, so the same idea. They're, they're utilizing manifest as it relates to colorless cards. And in that case, again, it's it's random, right? Unless you can control the top of your library effectively, it's just a fun way for big, bulbous, clumsy, expensive, colorless cards to just get you value. Like, they're all exciting. This this deck, to me, this deck was, you know, and we will see when it all bears out, right? Like when, when like, two or three months from now, what are people doing with these cards? You know, are they excited about having them? Are they trading them or whatever, but to me it was just like oh my goodness like these cards are crazy because correct me if i'm wrong cast but emrakul is and has been banned in commander forever right uh the original one has yes so like that's the that's the iconic you know eldrazi card and past that there's i guess like six or something like there's there's not that many like of the giant titan sort of level there's, there's, huge of
0: the original of the original of eldrazi there is only six legendary right this is the first time we've gone in a legendary eldrazi that wasn't Emrakul, Kozalek, or ulamog that are and then of those emiracles but
1: i mean like but but i mean like it that betrays or these cards that are sort of like adjacently big exciting like there's not that many gi- gigant or 10 cmc or more ones and so i do feel like there's a level of like opening this deck and seeing these new cards that are you know expensive there's like a there's a wrath i think we didn't talk about it but I it's mean, like
0: it's for colorless colorless uh as an additional cost to cast the spell reveal a colorless creature card from your hand exile each creature and planeswalker with mana value less to the reveal cards mana value and the other one like i will just read all of them because every one of them is sick desecrated reality this one's really cool because it's like taking advantage mm-hmm. of a mechanic in a way that's interesting um the Desecrate Reality, seven instant, but it has, uh, for each opponent, to one target permanent that player controls with an even mana value. But Desecrate Reality has Adamant, which Adamant is an ability that was basically like a do-nothing from... Uh... Eldraine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. And if uh, at least three colorless mana was spent to cast this spell, return a permanent card with an odd mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield. The fact that it's a... Like it's using adamant with colorless is such a cool (laughs) cool use of that ability. Um that like I was I blew my I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. And then the uh, the 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 last ones that we haven't talked about. There's a dark steel card, dark steel monolith, eight mana, indestructible. Once each turn you may pay zero rather than pay the mana cost of a colorless spell. Uh so an artifacty theme kind of come in there. And then our, our uh abstruse archaic, four mana for a creature avatar three, four. Pay one. Tap it. Car- copy target activated or triggered ability you control from a colorless source. Uh, what's cool about Abstruse Archaic is you can copy the triggered abilities on any of the Titans. So a lot of the Eldrazi, especially the original one, when you cast them is when you trigger the ability. Ar- uh, Archaic lets you copy those. So you can take two extra turns with Emrakul, which you can't in Commander, but you can do that. What's interesting is Emrakul is the one Planeswalker not one, the only Titan that doesn't have a card
1: mm-hmm. in this
0: um there we didn't get a reprint of emerald so there's the emerald is still locked in a moon and that was my, no, one no. Of my big flavor misses by the way the two flavor misses i have from this deck um is uh do you know the idol cycle or the uncompleted idol cycle so they're they commander I, like
1: I, I, I think that like idol there's like the, that one that you, you like draw a card if you make a token or something like that yeah What's so that card there's, called? there's
0: idol of oblivion which is two uh for an artifact tap draw a card activate this ability okay. only if you create a token this turn okay. or that eight got, yeah. sacrifice to create a 10 10 colorless Eldrazi token there's right, also ancient right, stone right. idol which is 10 mana for a flash 12 12 golem this spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature it has trample when it dies create a 6 12 colorless construct artifact creature token with trample. Okay. Both of these are the depictions of the statues uh, of the original god forms of the Eldrazi. So like on, on Zendikar, each of the Eldrazi had a matching like god, uh, Amiria, uh, um, Ula, and Cozy. Kozi, right? Cozy's trickster, um, these are like the Ula's temple, right? Those are like the three, but then we find out that it's Ulamog, Kozalek, and, and Emrakul. Uh, they're they're depicted on the card Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. So there's three statues oh, yeah. on Shrine of the Forsaken Gods. There's and the two of them are on Ancient Stone Idol and Idol of Oblivion. We still do not have the Emircle one, the Ameria. We don't have the Angel statue okay. as an idol. And everyone was like, oh, this is it. This is the time to print that card. Didn't get printed. Still don't have the Ameria Angel statue um the other one which is also emiracle themed is we have and and in the comments we're gonna get people being like oh but emerkel doesn't do this so we have wastes <laughs> you know all of the wastes right the waste cards. so there are 15 wastes in the deck um and they depict specifically each of the eldrazi we saw in zendikar kozilek and ulamog create different types of wastes uh kozilek creates that like bismuth looks like those like blocky Structures, if you know what bismuth is, it's like a gem in the real world. And then Ulamog creates coral structures when it like sucks the life out of the land, it's so you're sure, coral looking. So you have those, sure, right? That's what the Eldrazi looks like. Emmerichol does mess with the land, it turns everything into that weird tentacle red stuff that everything started turning into. And uh, Innistrad, no wastes, we don't have Emmerichol waste, we don't have a waste depicting ah. like the land. Ben, like, doesn't care at all. The sarcasm of like, uh, the, the the land gooping with Emercals, like I care, I, I care. Why I do want, you say that? I want Emrakle Wastes, and I want the Emeria statue. I want the Ameria Idol. Those are the two things I want. We still don't have them, and I have no idea when we're going to get them. Wizards, please, per- this is what the people want. This is, all this, no, you don't release another set this year. Just release two cards in a secret layer: Emeria Wastes and the Ameria Idol.
1: Wizards, it's what the people want. Come on, help us out. So, okay. Biggest, biggest,
0: all of the land <laughs> complaining about the uh, the slivers, all of the value complaining, nonsense. Give me <laughs> emerald wastes.
1: Give me the goodness. All right, so I think I think pretty much that wraps up our reviews of the four decks. Obviously, the commander cards are incredible. The super fun. The reprints of the set we talked about a bit. Uh, there's an insane number of good ones. We didn't talk about doubling season. We didn't talk about, uh, honestly, I could list like a 15, 25, 30. If you're buying the set, you'll be excited. It was very well, fun to open. Ben was so- like,
0: let's 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 go back and forth and talk about the cards we're most excited about being in the set. I'm like, I'm pretty sure like every card in this set is in some version of exciting. We are going to be here for an entire Extra hour of set. He was like, no, we'll just do seven, pick seven. And then and we fought a little bit. That's all been edited out. And the that's what that's where that segment came from. So like, we're gonna do it in three minutes. And immediately it was a 10-minute segment. Lied to me. Yeah,
1: so, it was hard. It was hard. It was it, it was definitely hard to avoid. So um, but either way, we appreciate you guys watching and we thank the entire magic program for uh, supporting us in doing this. And I'm very, very excited for you guys to hear this. So and, leave and your comments. A- just,
0: yeah, just a brief, just to explain, because I know we're going to get questions. What is the MTG Ambassador Program? And basically, uh, Wizards reached out to a bunch of creators this year and um, wanting to kind of formalize, like previously people would get cool gift boxes and stuff like that, wanting to formalize that idea and work with them to create cool content. And so uh, each of the ambassadors, you've seen a bunch of people in the program uh, on a quarterly ish basis, we will be releasing uh, specific MTG Ambassador content. And uh, this is one of those for, for us uh ben specifically i believe <laughs> uh and um in in regards to that we then get the get cool product we get to work with them if we have cool ideas and want to do something they'll, they'll be a communication point we can talk to which has been really wonderful right like historically was there just kind of been um this glass monolith but like you get some communication with them but uh not really a direct line of communication or something that can help with different projects you're working on and now they've reached out to people now the plan is for this uh this first year is kind of the trial run they're figuring out how it's going to work and then as future years go uh there'll be more formalized like how you can apply to be a part of it or how how uh different people can join or leave um and then what that kind of is participant on And, and so this has been a really cool experience to be a part of um and excited to do more content like this and and uh there's there's other we'll be doing i have a what to do in Las Vegas video that I'll be posting soon for uh, MagicCon Las Vegas, uh, and then a breakdown on Ronos the character uh, over on TikTok and on Dimensions here. So we're we're really excited, and, and we're excited to work on cool stuff. Um, we're we're still gonna be ourselves. We're, we're you know we're gonna tell our honest opinions. There's nothing like that, but um, we're we're hyped. It's pretty it's pretty exciting.
1: They, I mean, essentially they were just like, do the thing you guys already do. We would like to support you and make sure you guys have some information and access to some stuff early. And that is basically what the program is, which is like very exciting for us. And as uh, Alex mentioned, we will continue to just be here and do the same thing. So my, uh, thanks for watching and thanks for listening.
0: My conspiracy theory is I predicted too many things early. And so they're now giving me early information sometimes, but now you don't know. Well, you're, now you're, now, you're, now, now you guys short. don't know if like I <laughs> called it or I knew. Like there's no, there's no, I'm, I've am i been murdered. My, my shot calling has been, has been murdered by by foresight. I now know the future.
1: <laughs> when when like when your inclusion in the program was like being finalized, it was like, wait, but like you already called the next set, you didn't know anything, and I was like, yeah, but like. I have to pretend I didn't know it. And like, no, but like you, you were right though. Like, you were totally right.
0: It's, <laughs> like what are you gonna do? Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's that's what this this whole program is to shut me down. <laughs> you brought me into the inside. <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside, thank you so much, everyone, and, and we'll look forward to making more content as always. And we'll talk
1: to you all, all right. uh, next week. I'll see you guys in Barcelona and Vegas. Take care. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending into the future